Masechet Ketuvot Af Mem Bet. We begin the fourth Perek with the Mishnah. Uh, main topic is who receives the fines. Is it the victim herself or her father? In which case is it one? In which case is it the other? So we begin Naada Shenit Pateta Boshta Upgama Uknasa Shel Aviha Vehasar Bitfusa. So Naada, who is seduced, uh, so she gets paid for her humiliation, degradation, and for the fine, and that all goes to the father, as the Pasuk says. Um, in the case of Tifusa, someone who is uh, grabbed, that's the language of the, of the, of the Pasuk, same thing as Anusa, um, so in a, in a rape a rape victim who adds not only those three payments, but also Sa'ad, also the uh, pain that she experiences, also that goes to the father um, when she's in Na'ara. Amda bedin ad shelo meta'av harehen shel av. Now, if they the sentencing happened, she she stood she stood trial while the father is alive. In other words, the father was alive and uh, he died after the trial is over. Then the payment still goes to the father. However, if the father died after the trial, after standing for trial, but before the payment was made, well then the payment goes to the victim's brothers. Point is that once the sentencing happens, uh, the uh, the money turns from a fine into being a, a regular monetary compensation. Uh, because although it's based on a fine, um, it seems that this, these, the laws that we're saying seem to refer to all of these. Although there's some machloket, um, so the, although the original payment was a fine, and the fine normally goes to the father, but if there is no father, it would go to the victim herself. Nevertheless, in this case, because there was sentencing, once the sentencing happens, then the sentencing turns the fine into the court simply saying, hey, you have to pay this. Doesn't matter why, we, because we said so. We decided you have to pay this. That's so a regular monetary obligation that is owed from the perpetrator to the father. If the father dies, then it's the sons who will inherit the right to that money. So you have a kind of somewhat unfair situation where it's the brothers that are receiving money for the pain of their sister. Uh, so if they, they did not go to court until the father died, meaning the father died first, and only then the sentencing happened, well then the money goes directly to her, right? It would go to the father, father no father, so the sentencing happens when there's no father, she gets it. If the, she stood trial and the sentencing, sentencing happens while she is a na'ara, and the father's around, so the father gets it. And in that case, since the sentencing already happened when the father was alive, once the father dies, it's the children who inherit the right to collect what the court said uh, the, the perpetrator has to pay.
The last case is If the court did not give the sentencing until she became an adult. In other words, the sentencing took a while. Uh, the court case took a while and the sentencing happened when she was a, she's an adult and she keeps the money herself does not go to the father and certainly does not go to the brothers. All right, that's all the opinion of Tanakama. Rabbi Shimon says the cutoff time is not the sentencing, but rather the actual paying, the actual collection. And according to Rabbi Shimon, if, if the court decided the, the payment of the sentencing while the father is alive, but the guy didn't pay it yet and the father dies, then the sons do not inherit the right to pay, but rather the payment will go directly to her. Um, so even though this is, so according to him, the sentencing does not make it into an absolute monetary payment that the kids can inherit, and the Gemara will discuss at length. Uh, the, the opinion of Shimon. Anything that she makes, if she works and uh, has wages that uh, or, or, or sales, uh, or anything that she finds in the street, uh, generally it belongs to the father when she is a child. So even though she did not collect it yet, um, but she's owed these wages. She worked, uh, you know, she worked 10 hours. She's owed, owed wages by her boss. Um, if the father dies, because she already worked, and so therefore this money is already uh, owed from the em- employer to the father. When the father dies, it's the sons, his sons, her brothers, that inherit the right to collect that money. Okay, so you see, earnings are what would be different than from uh, from a fine or from a court ruling. Um, okay, so that is the Mishnah, and now the Gemara says, "My Kamash Malan, what is this Mishnah teaching us? Especially the beginning of it." We already learned in the previous Mishnah that the uh, the uh, man who seduces a Naara has to pay for three items, and Ones has to pay for four items. He adds pain to it. The one who seduces has to pay for the humiliation, degradation, and the fine, and the rapist has to pay also those three and the pain that she experiences. So we already know. So rather this Mishnah is coming to add to us that it's the father that gets all of these payments. Alright, isn't that also obvious? After all, since uh, the seducer has to pay, well, if it would be to her, why would he have to pay? She did it with her own consent. In other words, any, anyone has a right to forego uh, payment to themselves. Uh, they can say, uh, you know, it's okay, you can... Uh, um, uh, rip my garment, and uh, you won't. I won't make you pay. And so, to here, because this naara consented. I mean, for sure, a kitana would not have the ability to uh, 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 renounce what's what's coming to her, but a, a naara can. And so, because she consented. Therefore, he actually would not have to pay. Uh, so, therefore, 
um, uh, it was obvious that the father is getting it. Uh, and so even though the previous Mishnah didn't say explicitly that the father gets it, and the set does say it in this Mishnah, we could have figured that, that out on our own. Uh, so rather, The reason why we need this Mishnah is to teach us the case where the sentencing already happened while the father was alive and then the father died. What happens? Who can collect the money at, at that point? Uh, whereas Rabbanan say that the sons collect the money, uh, Rabbi Shimon says that she collects the money herself as long as it was not paid uh, when the father died. Okay, so that's what we, why we need it. Now, Tanan Hatam, we have a Mishnah in Masechet Shivuot that reads, Anasta ufitita et biti. A man comes to another man and accuses him and saying, I know you raped or you seduced my daughter. And the other guy denies it. Nope, I didn't do that. So then the father says, I, I demand that you swear to it. And the other guy, he doesn't have to say anything, but if he does say, Amen, yes, I swear that it was not me. But it turns out later, the uh, man who was accused, even though he swore he didn't do it, he admitted, says, actually, I changed my mind. You're right. You accused me. I did do it. Um, in that case, Hayav, he has to pay. What does he have to pay? He has to pay the payment of that the rapist or seducer would have to pay, even though he admitted it. And usually someone who admits something would not have to pay the fine, would still have to pay the compensation. So here, he not only has to admit it, but also because he swore falsely, he has to add another fifth to the payment as a penalty. And he also has to bring in a, a, a korban, asham. It's a general rule that someone who swears falsely regarding money that he owes has to pay plus, 20, plus a fifth. And he also has to bring a korban, asham. And so that applies in this case. That's the Mishnah. Uh, now, Rabbi Shimon Poter, the Mishnah continues and says, Rabbi Shimon says he does not have to pay. Since it's a kenas, uh, so he doesn't have to pay. He came and admitted. In the end, he did admit to it. So therefore, he does not have to pay the um, uh, does not have to pay the fine. And so the rabbis told him, "Okay, fine. Yeah, we agree. He doesn't have to pay the fine because he admitted to it. But nevertheless, he has to pay for the other items that are monetary compensation, and for that he has to add a fifth and bring an asham." Okay, that's what the Mishnah uh, taught. The main takeaway from this Mishnah is that the law of uh, Asham Gezelot is what it's called when someone uh, uh, swears falsely about something that they stole or that they owe. Uh, that is only for denying something that of, of a monetary compensation that they owe. If they deny a fine, since the fine he could have admitted and not paid the fine at all, when he denies to paying the fine, that's not considered a denial under the obligation of of Asham Gezelot. Okay, that based on that principle, now we're going to build on that for a more complicated case. And based on the more complicated case, we're going to find the contradiction between what Rabbi Shimon says here and Rabbi Shimon in our Mishnah. But it's going to take a little bit of buildup. So here's the question. Abaye asks his teacher, Rabbah, 
האומר לחברו, אנסת ופיתית את ביתי ועמידתיך בדין ונתחייבת לי ממון. Someone comes and accuses someone else and says, I know, I accuse you that you raped or seduced my daughter. And we went to court and the court found you guilty and sentenced you to pay me. So it's a little bit different from the Mishnah here where he only accuses him of having raped or seduced his daughter, here he adds further that we actually went to court and you owe me the money. So the difference here is that what are we going to consider this? Is this going to be considered a, uh, a claim of a fine because it was based on a rape or seduction? Or is this a comp regular compensation since it already went to court? Okay, let's follow through. And this, the, the, the other guy said, uh, none of that ever happened. I never did anything. We never went to court. I never, they never sentenced you to owe you money. Sentenced me to owe you money. And he swore that he did not owe, uh, none of this happened. But afterwards, he said, you know what? I lied. And actually, that did happen. I did do that crime and I did, we did go to court and the court said, I have to owe you, I, I owe you money. So what, what is the case now? Uh, does the person have to pay the fifth and add a, um, asham? Uh, so according to the Bishimon, who said over here that in the regular case, if they didn't go to court, then he doesn't pay uh, any extra fine, and he doesn't pay the fine, doesn't pay the fifth, he doesn't bring Hashem. But what about in this case, since they already went to court, does that turn it into a monetary obligation? Since they already went sentenced, so now it's considered money. You see where all this is going, right? In the Mishnah that we started with, Rabbi Shimon said, even if the court says, that even if the court sentences him and then the father dies, still it goes to her, still it goes to the, to the, to the victim herself. In other words, it seems that he does not think in our Mishnah that it becomes a monetary obligation. So that's going to be the key question. Uh, okay, anyway, do we say here that it it's like money and therefore, Bishamon would say, so you denied something that was a monetary obligation because the court sentenced you already, so therefore now you have to bring a Korban. Or even though the court came and they're already sentenced, do we still consider it to be a fine? So if we follow this way, it would be consistent with our Mishnah. And but he doesn't answer that. Answers that in this case, even though in the previous one uh, here, where he's accused only of anasta petita. He says, I didn't do that. So the accusation is, you owe a fine. He says, I didn't owe a fine. So he only denied the fact that it's a fine. But in this case, where he said, you were sentenced, and he says, no, I was not sentenced, and then he turns out that he was lying and he admitted it, so the sentencing turns it into a regular monetary obligation, and therefore he is liable to pay the penalty and to bring the korban. All right, so that is Rabaz. That was Rabaz's answer. Now, Abaye, the students, is going to say, "Hold on, I have a further challenge. Not yet from our Mishnah, but rather from a Baraita. This is a two-part Baraita. This is actually the second part. In a minute, we're going to quote the first half of the Baraita. So, the second half of the Baraita reads: Rabbi Shimon Omer." So the first case is the one that we started with in the Mishnah. Someone who says to his friend, 
all this is, can it be? We're going to end up saying, no, it can't be. So what's we'll the cases first? Someone says to some, uh, to his friend, you uh, raped or seduced my daughter. It doesn't mean friend. It means another person. For a friend, he wouldn't do that. And he says, no, I didn't do it. He denies it. Or a person says, you killed my ox or uh, your ox killed my slave. And he says, no, my ox did not kill your slave. Or, oh, he palta et shini, vesimita et aini. A slave says to his master, You knocked out my tooth or my eye. No, I didn't do that, the master says. And in all these cases, the one who is accused swears that he didn't do it. But in the end, he admits that he, in fact, did do that. So I might think in all these cases that person would be liable for an Asham Gezelot because he lied about something that he owes. And so he'd have to bring a Korban and pay the fifth, right? Doesn't it sound like that would be true? Therefore, the Pasuk comes, the Pasuk regarding Hashem Gezelot lists a whole bunch of examples. Uh, now look at what all these examples ha- have in common. So if someone sins against God and he uh, says something false to his neighbor regarding a deposit, a pledge, a robbery, or oppressed his neighbor, and or he found something that was, was lost and he denied it, and he swears and lies. So those are the various cases the Pasuk says. These are all regular monetary obligations, something he stole, something he didn't return, um, so too, or any regular monetary obligation, if he denies it and swears, then the the law of Hashem Gezelot applies. But oh, this comes to exclude, right? Only only these, but this comes to exclude anything that's a fine. If it's a fine, since it's not a regular monetary obligation, and if he admitted admitted to it, he wouldn't have to pay. Therefore, when he denies it, also it's not considered a denial, and there is no Hashem Gezelot. And therefore, in all of these cases, if when he comes and admits it, he does not have to burn korban, does not pay the fine. Okay, so all that is the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Now, here's the question. Aren't these cases talking about where uh, they, they already went to court? And they already went to court. And nevertheless, uh, Rabbi Shimon says, you don't have to pay. That's a challenge to Rabbah's answer, because Rabbah just said that. If I accuse you that, hey, we went to court, and he said, do you have to pay? You denied it, and then you admitted it. Uh, that in, the, in that case... Um, uh, that in that case, right, we said he has to pay. Um, uh, right, what would Bishimon say? So Rabbah said, yes, he has to pay in that case, even though they went to court. And in these cases, where if we assume right now that they already went to court, but yet Rabbi Shimon says, no, it's a fine, and he does not have to bring Asham Gezelot. Right, so my Bedin says, No, so Rabbah could answer and say, No, these are cases where they did not go to court. All right, simple enough. That's why. If they didn't go, he didn't go to court, that's why it's still a fine. If he did go to court and had sentencing, then it would be a monetary obligation and there would be a sham gezelot. Okay, that's a simple answer. We're not going to get away with this answer so so fast because we're going to prove from the first half of the of the Baraita 
that it's impossible to say that. And so we're going to have to answer, give a better answer to this question. But let's go through that. The first half of this very same Baraita is, is talking about where they did have sentencing. So too, this part has to be where there already, already was sentencing. So let's see, what's the Resha? Dekatani Resha. Enli ela devarim she mishalemim alehem et hakeren tashome kefer tashome arbaa vachamisha vaones vimfatem osi shemra minayin temudomar ma'ala ma'al riba. The first half, the, the second half said it's, it's a bit opinion of Rabbi Shimon. You see here. Um, right, the Bishimon says the first half of it does not say it's a Bishimon, so the first half looks like it is the Tanakama, the Banan, and uh, says, I only know that one has to bring an Asham Gezelot and uh, they apply this whole law when it's uh, something that you have to pay for the principal, meaning a regular compensation. But what if something if it's something that is a fine, like paying double if it's a thief or four and five for, for stealing an animal, or the case of the rapist or the or the seducer, or Mosi uh, Shemra accusing his wife of not having Betulim, but he turns out to be that he's lying and he has to pay a hundred. Minayin, how do you know that it does, the, the word the Hashem Gezelot does apply in all these cases? Because Ma'al, double language, comes to include all of these cases. This is Tanakama who says it does apply to fines. Now, Hechidame. Um, how, what, what case are we talking about? If they didn't go to court yet, would there be a payment of double? The payment of double, no, no, someone, someone doesn't pay that by himself if they come and admit it. He only pays the original compensation. So if he's paying double, it means they already went to court. So this 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 part is that they already went to court. So too, the sefa is also when they went to court. And the Sefa, which is the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, uh, says that even though they went to court, still it's considered a fine and we do not apply Asham Gezelot. That's a contradiction, Rabbah, to you that said in the case where he's accused of going to court and, and paying and he denies it and then admits it, that he does have to pay, but he already went to court. Uh, he already went to court, so he does have to pay. That contradicts this part, half of the Mishnah, that says, no, it remains a kanas. So Rabba, what are you going to answer? Um, okay, Amale. So Rabba says, "Yachina l'shanu yelachresha b'shamad bedin v'sefer b'shalamad bedin." This is listen. I could get away with this in an easy way and say, "Yes, in fact, the first half of Rabbi uh, Shimon is talking about when this, it was uh, the sentencing." Uh, the, 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 so the first half that we just quoted is in fact when there was sentencing that's why he has to give the uh, kefil and uh, the other penalties Sefa, the part that's quoted in the name of Rabbi Shimon is when he did not go to court and that's why it's still a fine um, and Vikula Rabbi Shimon he, and actually I could explain that the entire Mishnah is the opinion of Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Shimon in the Sefa is when he didn't go to court so it remains a fine and the Resha is when he already did go to court and that's why it becomes a monetary obligation, which is exactly what Abba answered the que- answered the question about. However, but I know that would be a difficult forced answer to say that the Reshan Sefar are talking about two different cases. So I'm not going to force you in, you into that. I'm not going to force myself into that. 
Instead, the imken amadli litne reshad bishimon omed or litne sefad bishimon omed. The reason why I'm not going to force myself into that is because then you'll tell me um, that it should say if the entire baraita is all the opinion of bishimon, it should not have said that this is the opinion of Bishimon in the middle, right? Because you have the Resha is quoted here. The Sefa is what we quoted here that starts off with Bishimon Omer. So the Peshat of the Braita is the first half is Rabbanan. The second half is Bishimon, And not that the whole thing is Bishimon. So even though I could explain that, that the entire Baraita is Rabbi Shimon. Um, and I could I could say that the difference is the first half is Ahmad Bedin Sefa is Lomad Bedin. I'm not going to do that because it does look like it's two different authors here. Uh, there's a machloket here. So rather, we're going to go back to the drawing board, what we said before. The entire Baraita is when the sentencing already happened. The first half is, in fact, Rabbanan. And and even though they already went to court, um, according to Rabbanan, uh, because they already went to court, Rabbanan say, now it's a monetary obligation. And so that is the uh, Resha here. Um, the Resha, which is uh, here. Um, right, so we're coming to include, yes, even fines that since they already went to court, so the fines have to be paid because the fines turn into monetary obligations, and that is Rabbanan. Whereas, according to Rabbi Shimon, uh, that is Ahmad Bedin, and nevertheless, the Rabbi Shimon in the Sefa of this Baraita says that um, it, it went to court and still considered a fine. So now I have a problem. They went to court, our Baraita considered it a fine, and uh, Rabbah, you said above that if they went to court, it's considered money. So, but here's what I'll answer, Abba will, will say, I'll agree to you, Abaye. And I will admit that in the case where it went to court, uh, then it's considered mamon for the law of Hashem Gezelot. Um, uh, because it says, if he dealt falsely with his neighbor, and then uh, since this was already went to court, it becomes a monetary obligation. It's the same as all the other monetary obligations that are listed in that pasuk. So I will agree to that. When I gave my answer to the original question, the original question was, uh, was that uh, if uh, so I, I accused you of um, of uh, 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 violating my daughter, and then and we went to court, and they find and they said you're guilty, and then I denied it, and then and then you denied it, and then you said yes, I did do it, and I said that's called mamon. I wasn't talking about for the purpose of Hashem Gezelot, but rather I was talking only about the application for if the father should die after the sentencing, before the payment is made, does it go to the children? If it's a monetary obligation, then it does go to the children. And that's what I was saying. Yes, that in fact, the children do uh, inherit it. Okay, so that's, what I, I, that's all I meant to say. Now, all this was a setup to challenge Rabbi Shimon in our Mishnah. We just concluded from our discussion of the Braita that according to Rabbah, 
according to the Bishimon, after sentencing, um, we still consider it a fine for the sake of Asham, right? Even after sentencing, he denies it. He still um, uh, he denies it and all that. He would not have to pay uh, for the Asham. Um, because it's considered still a fine even after sentencing. But regarding inheritance, there, uh, these fine, after sentencing, it is considered money. That's what we just established. So that's our question from our Mishnah. Because in our Mishnah, the Bishimon said, even for inheritance, it's still considered a fine, and therefore it is not inherited to the son. She gets it, right? If the collection was not made and the father died, even after the sentencing, the victim gets to gets to receive the payment and it does not get inherited by her brothers. But based on the uh, uh, conclusion you just said that Abba, uh, that it is considered fines turn into money for the law of inheritance after sentencing, why should she get it? It should go to the brothers. They, they should inherit it as money. Um, okay, so serious question. It's such a serious question. This chat, this question was uh, uh, was was uh, uh, difficult for Rabba and Rav Yosef for 22 years. They could not figure it out an answer until after Rabba died. Rabba was the Rosh Hashiva when he died. Rav Yosef took over. Uh, he was the head. and he was able to to resolve it. How come he wasn't able to resolve it before? I don't know. Maybe now that he became Rosh Hashiva, he felt that extra pressure to resolve it, and so he. Um, he found an answer, uh, and he explained. Regarding rape, it says that the man, the rapist, gives to the father chamishim kesef. And here it says specifically the word he has to give. That the father does not actually acquire the money until the time of real payment, right? It's not, uh, the father doesn't just receive the, um, uh, the right to it and that he could, he could give to his sons, but rather the father only um, and is entitled when he actually gets it. So therefore, the point is that the case of rape and seduction are exceptional. And for other, um, for other uh, uh, cases of fines, uh, when we're talking about the inheritance law, for other cases of fines, the inheritance after sentencing becomes like money and it is inherited by the sons, except for uh, these two cases where she is the victim of rape or seduction. And these two cases it, uh, remains a fine until the actual payment. Okay, so that explains the contradiction between the Bishimon in our Mishnah and what Abba concluded of it's in the interpretation of the Baraita. When Abba said that it turns into, the fine turns into a monetary obligation after sentencing uh, for inheritance, that's regarding other uh, fines and not uh, the case of rape or seduction. Now that we've established that regarding fines in general, they do become monetary for laws of inheritance after sentencing, uh, but um, seduction and 
uh, a rape, uh, uh, the rape case are exceptional uh, in that they remain like a fine and are not inherited. That's what we just said. Um, and we know that from the word venatan. So now we have a question. If someone kills a someone else's slave, he has to pay a fine of 30 shekalim and that he gives to the owner. So since it says the word yiten, uh, just like uh, in the case of the rape, it says v'natan, would you say here also the uh, the um, right to uh, to collect only happens at the time of the actual giving, but if that owner should die in the meantime, then it's considered uh, still a fine and would not be inherited? Would you apply the same law and consider the case of slavery like the case of rape? And that's not true because really that's like all the other fines that um, that are inherited. Uh, so we answer, even though it's the same root, the tense is different. Venatan is he gave it. Once he, even though it's actually a vavaypuch, but nevertheless, without the vavaypuch, the form is in the past. And so only after the payment is made, then the father keeps the right to it. And, and then, yeah, once it's paid, the father uh, and the father dies, it will go inherit to the sons. Uh, but not if it wasn't paid yet. Yiten is in the future. So um, that is not talking, that does not require that it had been paid already. All right, so we resolve the slave case. Now, Iyachi, another question. In that Braita, that long Braita that we said, in the opinion of uh, B. Shimon, we said, can it be that the laws of Hashem uh, Gezalot would apply in all these cases of fines? And therefore it says, Vikichesh, similar to the other ones that are in that list. So it does not apply to fines. Um, and so fines are still, a, um, are, are, Hashem Gezalot does not apply to fines, but it will apply for inheritance. So we learned all that from the word vikichesh. Now our question is, Really, they could have learned the same thing from the word natan. It says the word natan in, uh, regarding the rape case. And so in that, there, it only the father only gets the right to inherit after he gets paid. We can learn from there that all other cases of fines would be different from that and one could inher can inherit in all the other cases. What if to learn it from Kichesh? Just actually learn it from Venatan. What do you need Vikichesh for? This is extra. He says, you're right. And actually, I need the word Kichesh for a different case. In a case where, a uh, case of rape, and they went to court. And uh, the court decided, uh, yes, he has to pay. And now she gets, she becomes an adult in the meantime. So now that she becomes an adult, she gets the money. But what if she dies before the man pays? Now, um, does the father inherit it? Um, yes, the father does inherit it, even though it wasn't paid yet. And we said that in general, in the case of rape, the payment is not inheritable, so that if it was owed to the father and the father died, the sons do not inherit, but rather the girl herself gets is the recipient of the of it. If, however, the girl is an adult and she's the recipient recipient of it, and she dies. Once that happens, because she is the main recipient and she dies, 
um, even before uh, she's, she sees the main recipient, that is a monetary obligation. And so if she dies, it does go to the father who will inherit it. Um, and that's what we learned from the word Bikichesh. Okay. One last question on the formulation of that Braita. The Braita listed a whole bunch of, of fines and said, uh, would, um, if someone denied these fines and then had, and then, uh, admitted to it, would they have to bring Asham Gezelot? And they said, no, because look at all other things in the, in the list in the Pasuk. Those are, all, um, those are all monetary obligations. And so, therefore, these, the, the, the ones that are fines, are excluded because they are fines. Now we're saying, how can you say that they're excluded because they're fines? Since the court already senten- decided sentencing on them, and for the law of, of uh, inheritance, they're considered money. So, actually, they are money. How could you call them fines if, after the sentencing, you're considering considering them money for inheritance. So essentially, they're monetary obligations. No, so he means to say that Braita is saying that these are, at their essence, originally they were a fine. And so even though now sentencing happened, and once sentencing happened, they become monetary obligations for the purpose of inheritance, Yes, that's true. Nevertheless, they remain with their original fine status when it comes to the obligation of the uh, uh, of uh, bringing the Asham Gezelot. All right. So now we have one last question against Rabbah from Abaye Itibe, and his, his explanation of Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon Poter Sheno Meshalem. Kenas uh, alpi asmo in the Mishnah in Shivuot that we quoted above. Rabbi Shimon says that um, the case is uh, someone ex- accuses someone else and says you raped seduced my daughter, and he says no, I didn't, and then he swears that he didn't, but then admits that he did. Rabbi Shimon says he does not have to pay the fine. There's no obligation of Asham Gezelot because he denied. A, a fine that he could have admitted to. If he admitted to the fine, he wouldn't have to pay. So when he denies it, it's not actually a denial. So now, Tama de lo amad bedin. So the only reason why this would be true is because he didn't go to court yet. Because he didn't go to court yet, then if he comes and admits it, if the court didn't get involved yet, and he comes and admits, yes, I did, uh, and says, I did this, then he would get out of the fine. Ha'amad bedin, but if this court already sentenced him, demishalem al piyasmo, um, korban shibu'ah nameh mechayev, that if he already, uh, um, is, got sentenced, and then that once he's sentenced, even if when he admits it after the sentencing, doesn't help him at all, he still would have to pay, and therefore, he should have to bring a uh, an, uh, a, a korban if he denies uh, uh, if, if he denies having done it after the sentencing. And this contradicts what Rabbi said that according to the Braita, uh, but that includes Rabbi Shimon, the way Rabbi explained it, uh, says that even after sentencing, it's still considered a fine for the law of Asham, and he does not have to pay, uh, does not have to bring an Asham. So that's the contradiction. In the Mishnah Shavuot, it says that 
the only reason he doesn't have to give a fine, uh, doesn't have to bring Hashem Gezelot, is because he could, if he admitted it, that would be fine. So that only works before sentencing. But we can infer from the Mishnah that after sentencing, he wouldn't have that out. Yerbishamah wouldn't have that out, and therefore he would bring Hashem Gezelot. But in the Braita, in the Baz explanation, says that after sentencing, he still does not have to bring Hashem Gezelot. So we have a problem here. Uh, okay, we can answer and uh, re-explain the Mishnah that Rabbi Shimon in the Mishnah was only stating his sta- giving a statement in accordance with Rabbanan. And he was saying, According to me, even after the court gives a sentencing, nevertheless, he and he denies and he denies it and then admits it. Nevertheless, he does not have to give Sham uh, Gezelot because the Pasuk says Vikihesh, and that is only in cases that are like the ones on the list that are completely monetary obligations from then they originally that, and that comes to incl- exclude anything that was originally a fine, even after sentencing. That's what I think. But in the Mishnah, he says, You should at least admit to me before the sentencing uh, that when, what is he claiming? The father is claiming a fine. And therefore, since he's claiming a fine, and the guy could have admitted it, so therefore, the fine is kind of a, a voluntary uh, payment because he could just admit it and then not have to pay. Um, and therefore, his denial should not be considered a denial for the, the law of Hashem Gezelot. That's what he was challenging the rabbis with. That's a general rule. If you um, admit to a, any fine, then you don't have to pay. But Rabbanan Sabre and the rabbis answer him back and says, Ki says, No, the main thing that the father is claiming is not only the fine. If it was only the fine, yeah, fine, we, yes, we would agree uh, that the denial is not a denial, no Hashem Gezelot. But when the father is making a claim, hey, you raped my daughter, his main thing that he wants to uh, collect is the compensation for humiliation and degradation. That's not a fine, and that's why the denial is mostly on that claim. And therefore, that denial is subject to Asham Gezelot. Okay, finally, what's the essence of their machloket, according to this interpretation? Um, Rabbi explains that according to Rabbi Shimon, when the father comes and says, hey, you raped my daughter, what's his, what's his primary thing that he wants to collect? Primarily, it's the fine. Because a person would not leave, forget about something that has a set amount, and the fine is a set amount, and claim something that has no set amount. Because we're going to talk about the uh, degradation and the humiliation. Then we're going to have to go assess, well, how much, is the, how much was she really humiliated? And he doesn't know how much he's going to get for that. Maybe he'll get uh, a lot of money, maybe he'll only get a little money. So therefore, the main thing that he wants to claim is the set amount of the 50 shekel, that he knows that he will get. So, and then if it turns out to be that he's right, then they'll also collect the other things on the side. So since the main dish is the fine and the fine, and that is a fine, therefore when the guy 
when the other guy rejects, uh, contradicts it, he's contradicting a fine. And so when he later uh, swears, when he swears to it and later admits, he is admitting to something that he that was a fine that he could have admitted to and gotten out of. And that's why, according to the Bishimon, uh, he does not have to bring an Asham Gezelot. No, the opposite. When the father comes and claims, hey, you raped my daughter, he his main claim is for the compensation because a person would not leave something that if the other guy admitted to it, he still would not get out of it and claim something that if the other guy admitted to it, he would not have to pay, right? So if I'm coming and making a claim, hey, you raped my daughter. If my primary, uh, I wouldn't make my primary claim to be the fine because the other guy could, could then could just say, oh yeah, I did it. I'm admitting to it and therefore I don't have to pay, right? There's no point in challenging someone if something, if, if it's something that he can get out of. Rather, the father is going to make a claim primarily on the compensation uh, for humiliation and degradation. And so since that's the primary uh, uh, claim, then when the guy says, no, I was, I didn't do it, he's denying a monetary obligation. And so when he swears on that and then admits that he was, uh, that he was swore falsely, he for sure does have to bring an Asham Gezelot. So the whole, it goes off in a, a lot of different directions. The Suga brings a lot of sources, but it all uh, comes back to this fundamental. Amen.